Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Fenced In podcast, where we're bringing you training tips and guidance whilst in lockdown. This is episode three, and we're talking about tactical analysis and how to maximise an opponent's weakness while minimising their strengths. And you're here with me, Chris, a foil fencer from London in lockdown in Suffolk, and Ben. Ben, who are you? I'm Ben. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, welcome to the, uh, the Fenced In podcast, everybody. So I just wanted to take this opportunity uh, whilst we were doing the podcast today just to uh, actually dedicate this uh, particular episode to um, my very first fencing coach, Peter Whiteside, who uh, sadly passed away uh, two days ago from uh, COVID-19. Um, we are all struggling in lockdown, um, but ultimately this is a very real situation with everybody uh, in this together um, and we must remember ultimately this is a killer virus going around um, and that it is taking lives from us um, and it obviously has hit me quite personally um, but Peter was an amazing part of my life and got me involved in the sport that I still enjoy to this very day and for that um, I will be eternally grateful. By now, you should probably know who we are and, and what, what we're about. But for those that are new, both Chris and I um, trained quite high level and we are also coach and student. And over the next few weeks, we want to kind of bring to you guys, as Chris said, some kind of info about how to train during lockdown. And this is week four of lockdown. And last week we did a, a, an episode on psychology. It was safe to say uh, Chris and I just had a conversation before this. And we're uh, we're both excited to get out of the house for uh, for for more than kind of half an hour at uh, a time. But uh, we do bring you today tactical analysis, which is uh, a bit of a mouthful at the best of times. And we kind of wanted to talk about that because right now uh, we have a lot of time, and when you've got a lot of time, you can do all the extras that go into being the kind of perfect model of an athlete, the the methodology that that really works. So with tactical analysis this is a, a broad subject with many gains and and, and uh, but also some pitfalls so Chris what, what do you what do you think about the whole idea of tactical analysis and what do you think tactical analysis really is I was about to ask you that question I uh, really okay well you go first you tell me what you think it is and I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you mine so for me tactical analysis is uh, analyzing an opponent a fight what you're going to do uh, perhaps an approach uh, and, and what you might be trying to execute. So basically having a plan. I, I've often found in the UK, the fencing circuit is made up of the same people. So usually kind of when you go around fencing in the UK and the various competitions, I might do 10 in a year. I've usually fenced, you know, most opponents more than once in the past. So, and you will know each other. So you already have an idea of kind of who people are and what they, they do and what they like to do. I know that you don't do many UK competitions. You're so busy uh, fencing abroad more often than not. So how does that relate? Does that, do you think that's the same interpretation? What, what's tactical analysis for you? Yeah, I agree. I, I think tactical analysis is potentially broad, but potentially quite specific as well. Um, I think tactical analysis is the analysis of a fencing specific technique um, or tactics um, or anything, really. You can kind of break it right down, but... For me, the idea of tactical analysis at, say, like elite level, world-class world, world level, is not only analysing your opponents, but also analysing yourself. So the idea of taking footage of oneself at competitions and reviewing it is hugely important. This has been done 
by many different sports, many different years, you know, tennis, um, even golf, you know, analyzing your swing, all that kind of stuff. But for fencing, I think a lot of people think it's analyzing, you know, your, your opponent, um, which is, is absolutely correct and something that you can do. But also we mustn't forget that we have ourselves to analyze as well and where we may have made mistakes or where we have made or gone to go and make changes and actually they haven't been the correct one to do at the time and you've effectively just given the athlete that you're competing against space to to kind of make their actions and dominate the fight so it has its pros and cons tactical analysis because i've i like to think of myself as quite a feeling based fencer i like to really feel my way into the fights and kind of get an a, a, a almost live um, feeling for what's going on in the fight and how to develop it from there. But at the same time, you don't have that play sometimes at the, the, at the highest level when, you know, you're fencing against some of the the world's ultra elite. You, you can't afford to ship one or two hits so early on in the fight to, you know, to try and claw back, you know? Yeah, so I think that's quite interesting. And I've always thought I was more of a feeling-based fencer. But then at some point, I think it was after reading Winning Ugly, which is uh, a tennis psychology book we mentioned in the last episode, that I found that having a system really helped me. And I've spoken to a few fencers who've also said that having a system really helped. And that system is really kind of knowing what your A game is and your strengths are and what sort of hits or moments you're trying to create. Have you found that? Is that sort of what you're talking about? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I understand what you're saying. I've, I've, I've personally never found having like an A game or B game for whatever reason is has helped me. I mean, so when when we had the the world class program um, and we were there was a lot of analysis went into to that and actually, as I mentioned earlier on, we analysed ourselves but analysed the opponent. But I actually there's there's a good phrase called paralysis through analysis, which is sometimes you analyse things so much that you lose the sense of feel and timing. Um, you lose the idea of free play and letting things flow. So I think from my own point of view is I don't necessarily go onto the piece thinking, okay, well, if A doesn't work, I'm going to have B. And if B doesn't work, I'm going to have C. Because the brain can only kind of manage so much at any, any one time. And so I kind of go into the fight with some loose ideas of what will work. So if you have an athlete that is, has a particularly good offense, then trying to go on the piece knowing that from on guard ready fence you're going to try and be as offensive as you can to stop them from obviously playing their strengths and so it's 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 a it's an area that has lots to gain from but also a lot of problems because i find that and this is something that i, I sent over to you chris which is the the idea of what to do not what not to do and that's a bit of a mouthful itself but I don't like going onto the piece going, okay, I must not let that fencer do this because it automatically puts you in a negative mind space. It makes you very wary of what they're going to do to you rather than you imposing your game upon them. Um, and with when we had the world-class program, we had this like rule of three, which was the idea of if uh, somebody hasn't worked out a way to hit some within, within three points, if they haven't worked out an answer to a set of touches after three hits at world-class level, it's most likely that athlete will lose the fight because they've conceded three hits. This, this doesn't matter if it's nil-nil or if it's 6-3 or whatever, if it's 5-5 and then someone takes that lead. 
if there's been a string of three touches in a, in a similar kind of action or motion and the other athlete still hasn't had time to figure out that and make an appropriate change, usually that person will lose because they haven't been able to find a solution. And with such world-class athletes, that's that's a kind of lead that is insurmountable. Now, I say that there are lots of examples of people coming back from, you know, 10-5 down or 8-3 down or whatever, which kind of breaks that. But the idea in most fights, if you're able to hit someone three times with a similar theme and they haven't worked it out, providing you can stay ahead of the tactical changes that keep happening, you should come out on top. But I say this is a rule of thumb because this is something that was done from a very small pool of information. Not very small, quite a small pool of information, but it did ring true. Um, and we did see it happen time and time again. So the idea of going on to a fight armed with some information, knowing that you may have to watch out for some things, but also wanting to impose your game, I think is is, is hugely important. And I find the positivity of going out there going, this is what I'm going to do, not I should not let that person do this. Does that, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I heard a psychologist say something along those lines. So around, you know, if you... It, positive thought is better than don't let this happen because if you say don't let this happen what your brain interprets is let this happen yeah so you know if you if you say okay don't take a cease parry what your brain or a large part of your brain interprets is take a cease parry which is the opposite of what you're trying to achieve mm-hmm. um yeah, but i find the rule of three very interesting actually because it's so, so something that i've found some success with and i'm just going to talk from personal experience it's again having a system because i've always found that i I, I've become, or I get quite overwhelmed with the idea of like the possibilities, uh, the number and the number of things that you can do in fencing. You know, you can go this way, you can use this distance, you can you take this line, you can engage the blade, you can not engage the blade, you can lunge, you can do different things, you can go offensive and defensive. And I've always found that to be quite just a whole world that I get completely lost in. Yeah. Um. You know, if you if you think of those games. The, like on you know on xbox or anything where you have infinite possibilities to customize and change things i often get so lost but if you really narrow the number of possibilities i do much better and i found the same fencing i was like right okay so this is what i'm looking for i'm looking for this attack or this attack or this attack and defense i'm going to do one of these two or three things and that gives me a much more limited pool to start from and i'm able to analyze from there if it works or doesn't work it doesn't really matter but I get an idea of what's going to work and what isn't going to work or what's going to have a better feeling. And obviously I, I don't fence as much as you do. So you, there's probably a lot to be said with the comfort of allowing yourself to have that time. But fences are also very different. And I think this also feeds into coaching advice that people do and don't give. And different fences like different coaching advice. I like mine to be dumbed down. You know, people, people talking about uh you know in a fight or in the break saying okay do a half step take this line do a doubles engage and go doesn't work for me at all i need something really simple like attack defend counter attack or kind of you know long attack or you know kind of go blade first that it needs to be that simple i don't know what you find yeah no no no. I, i'm completely saying i i agree and, and and this is the problems that you have with with this kind of analysis because you're right when you have a coach on the side of the piece i'm the same as you simplicity is is for me king um and there's been times when, you know, too much information can overload the brain. And, and when you're in a high stress situation, like we spoke about last episode, you know, it's very hard to kind of digest all of that. So um, with any form of analysis, I like to start with myself. I like to look at what I did really well. So, for example, if we take the last competition I was at in Cairo, we had a World Cup out there. And 
I, I took all the, 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 the videos and I had a look at them and I was actually trying to look at what I did well. So because it's very easy to kind of be very self-critical when doing video analysis. Um, and, you know, while we're all kind of got a lot more time on our hands and, you know, we, we can't we're not spending three, four hours in the fencing cell, we can go, OK, what else can we do to kind of learn more? And, and, and this understanding of sitting down and doing some analysis can feel quite long and laborious. But actually, when you get into it, it can really be quite um, enjoyable. But it go, it's always got to go back to simplicity. I think some people think the elite in any sport have very complex systems. When actually they, they, they don't, they just understand simplicity. There was a really good uh, thing that um, one of my coaches said, Pavel said, and I can't remember exactly word for word. And he, he got this quote from somewhere else. But in times of high stress, you don't see athletes rise to a new game. They sink deeper into the habits that they have forged over many years. And, and that's a great way to explain that actually a person that understands their game really well, has got very good habits they're able to in the highest stressful situations deliver what are their strengths and, and their, their, their really good executions. And so I like to look at the analysis as, as looking at your strengths. What have you done really well? And enjoy it. Soak that up. Really go, yeah, that was great. That was really good. Because that gives you confidence in your game because it's very easy to be self-critical. And then you can start to look for the things that you think, okay, well, that could be improved upon. But again, there's, as you said, Chris, there's a whole remit of things that you would need to look for is it, is it the blade actions is it the feet is it the timing is it distance it could be so many different things so it's almost like trying to look at the fight almost like a little bit like through blurred eyes slightly which is how does it look as an entirety what are you happy with what are you not happy with and that's about you that's looking at you okay great well that that was a really good parry fast i really like that and then as you start to build this picture of all the strengths that you've got you start to see patterns you start to see what you do right and then you start to help highlight what you're not doing right that's the way i start to look at it and then when you have seen some weaknesses things that you might do because of higher levels of stress situations or because the other person's forcing you to do that like a counter attack out of time or something like that that's when you can go away and start training those when you get to a very very elite level where you're very comfortable with your skill set you understand what your skills are then you can start to really almost pinpoint certain things that you want to do against certain fences but I, I would also and I sent these over to you in some notes avoid the idea of pinpointing certain fences at an elite level because there's so many fences out there the chances that you're going to get the same person twice is is is, is not is, is you know it's a rare occurrence if you're someone that's consistently making top 16s in in World Cups, then you will start to meet the same kind of people. But at the same time, you want to broaden and strengthen your game, not just pinpoint certain athletes. I mean, you, you spoke about the national circuit, but how have you found your development of analysis as you as you as you got older? Understanding my own game has been really helpful, and I think uh, not often enough do we film ourselves fencing at uh, training as well. I said one of the most beneficial things i've done is just set up my phone on a small stand i think the stand cost me a pound from wilco or something um, and i was really excited to use it and i set it up at the end of the piece at awful angle can't see a lot but i can see how i'm fencing and actually you know, my feet were much slower and sloppier than i thought they were and that that in itself is an incentive to kind of to move forward or, or push something else into it i'd probably say at the moment 
while we have a lack of fencing, it might be quite handy to film ourselves doing footwork on a target so that we, yeah. again, just to understand how we look. We've got loads of time now to understand ourselves better and all of our you know, usual reasons, which might still be applicable, which are around not having time or, you know, you might turn up to training a bit late or just on time and say, right, oh, well, I don't have, I, I'm not giving myself the time to set up a camera or, or do anything to have a look. And you've got other people involved, you know, they might not be happy to be filmed um, as well. Find that to be, to be really helpful. And in terms of, um, yeah, I found that throughout the years, my understanding of my game has changed. And my understanding of fencing has changed as well. We spend a lot of time in general, not just you and I, in lessons being very technical, but there are also lots of moments in fencing that aren't very technical, that are just about getting the hit on. And the race in Bowdoin put something on Reddit the other week. He did a, a Q&A and said, ask me anything, and spoke about two approaches to coaching. One is very technical and the other one is less technical, but more about putting the hit on and using that feeling. Yeah, yeah, completely. Uh, and uh, I think that that idea of feeling is is important, and a lot of people kind of really rely on that, and and, and that's great. And I, well, actually, Johnny Davis, who the, the manager for the British team, he puts a puts a great, he put it beautifully. He said, um, "You got to look at lessons and technical work as like doing your scales, you know, in terms of like music, doing doing your scales, fencing on the piece against the another fencer is like free flowing jazz. It has some it, ha- it has some constructs, but ultimately." You're just going to battle. And, and I think that's that's where this whole idea of video analysis needs to be used carefully. There's not only looking at yourself and what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong or how you can develop better. Then you have the second layer of, of well, now I know my strengths. Now I know my game. Now I know what I like, what I dislike and what I'm working on at training. Then you have a second layer, which is, OK, I videoed myself a competition. I lost to this person. And I lost this person because of X, Y, and Z. So I'm going to carry away and start practicing that. And then there's a there's a third level of analysis, which is kind of going go, doing some analysis before you go on to the fight, knowing that you have a certain athlete. Now, when you know your strengths, you have to know how to implement them. And actually, it's not necessarily that you have to change your game overnight for these athletes. It's trying to work out how you will use your strength and when you will use your strength. And so looking at a video night before, if you have a, an athlete the next day, it gives you a very good insight into what they're doing. But the minute you get on the piece, that might work for one hit. You might have spent, you know, an hour in the evening doing a whole set of analysis on this person. And it might cost, it might give you one hit. And then everything else goes out the window because they're at such a elite level, they suddenly change their game entirely. And so this is where people have to understand how analysis works. First of all, and analyze yourself, Get understood with what you are good at. Then start analysing how you lost certain fights and how you can stop that from happening in the future. And then when you're at a level where you will know who you're going to get in certain fights and you do analysis on that opponent, again, be aware that this only will give you an advantage of one, two, possibly three hits. But after that, you know, it's it's kind of battle royale. Everything will change. And so this idea that there's lots of constructs and doing loads of analysis will suddenly make you world champion. It just gives you a little bit more information, but it is not the complete picture. Yeah, that sounds very interesting. And I imagine at your level, uh, who regularly makes 64s at World Cups, there is more footage available of your opponent once you get to that stage, or possibly even the stage before, because the 64 is a very tough field. You know, it's not the same 64 fences that are often there. You've often, I'm probably right in saying, a pool of 
128 yeah. so that there is footage of of some kind but as you say so presumably that only helps you so much and so over the last few years you've made a big jump you know you you kind of went from making a few 64s to consistently making 64s very regularly uh and in that time you've become commonwealth champion individual as well and um you've had commonwealth medals by team as well did you change something in your approach to matches or tactical analysis in that time to kind of make that jump or, or you know, or uh, kind of move on to another stage? I, I think, to be honest, uh, to be honest it's, a, it's a hard one to pinpoint one particular thing that's done it for, 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 for me. I, I look at this as continuous development. And I think there are, there, are, there are many factors. I think, like I spoke about last week with psychology, but the idea of, of watching myself back and, and really getting honest feedback from myself about where I was good, where I wasn't so good. I find that for a while, or I found for a while, I did overanalyze opponents or overanalyze myself to the point where you kind of lose the wood from the trees and you do have to be a little bit more based on feel. I think that I also experience counts for a lot. And I think that when you've, when you've been doing it as long as we have, you start to build up subconscious understandings of certain styles, certain types of fencer that you come across. I mean, the great thing is, is that I would say that if we sat here now, we could probably pick the world's top 50 and you could give me one or two things that those people do that are very unique to them. And I think this is the other thing that comes into coaching is people say, um, oh, what makes a great fencer? Where's how long's a piece of string? But you look at the top fencers in the world and they're all very, very good at fencing, but they've all got something very unique about them. And I think definitely something that adds into that is you going into an a grade who's going to win and it could be anyone from the top 50 and i think somebody that's really accentuated that in the last couple of seasons is maxime putti from france who came out of nowhere really to win his first title Uh, i don't know if he's won another one since but he's definitely come second since and that was insane and you're like oh right okay i mean this anyone can do it i think that 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 is a great example of someone then starts to really understand their game when you watch him fence now he he knows his strengths he knows how to implement his game and so the idea of and i've, I've had the pleasure of fencing maxine a couple of times actually um and he he's exceptionally physically strong but he knows his game and he imposes that and actually it's really hard to stop him from imposing his game on you and so you have to be imp- you know imposing your game and so these are the kind of things where when you actually watch a fight back for example it might not be that you did anything wrong they were just absolutely brilliant at doing what they were doing and the idea of fencing being a mathematical equation where you always have to find an answer to what they're doing for example you you you'd speak about putty and he has this amazing broken time flesh and it's world class why would you try and stop that why would you try and look for a solution in real time don't just don't allow him the runway to be able to do that and this is what analysis is about it's about understanding that you're not going to have an answer for everything but you can shut things down by using your strength, imposing your game upon people. And that's why people, first of all, we're talking about this three-tier system of learning yourself best and understanding yourself best. Then you know what you can rely on, what you can use, what you can impose. And then as you get better and better, you can start to see how you lost certain fights. Was it um, that actually you're, you, you, know, you just ran out of steam? Was it that you saw mentally, you, you know, you start to crumble a little bit, you start to get stressed and... And, and reverting back to silly things you used to do? Or is it that actually 
you lost for an entirely different other reason, which is they were just very, very good at what they were doing. And you were just being passive and, and allowing them to kind of do their world-class actions. And so then the idea of that next layer of analysis and going, right, well, this is what this is what they do. And I'm going to make sure that from on Garbery fence, they don't have that chance to make the press with absence of blade. So it's the understanding of what they do. That might only work for one or two touches, but it doesn't mean that that lead isn't enough to give you the confidence and the flow to find other actions. And do you find that that's often related to distance? When I speak to people, when people ask me, you know, people kind of a bit further down in the UK rankings, kind of around 50, 70, 100, 150, they want to know about certain things that are really tactical. And more often than not, what I come back to is talking about distance and say, look, you're losing that hit because I'm imposing my distance and just plonking, plonking it on and scoring a light. You think you're in control when you're attacking, but you're still sitting in my area of distance. Is that what you're talking about? Uh, well, yeah, I, I think so. I think, I, think, I think it is the whole idea of men's foil at the moment has gone through um, very much absence of blade, this kind of marching attack that we speak about. But this is the other great thing that, that, that's good about analysis and actually leads me on to the next point whilst kind of maintaining what you're saying, which is the idea that right now people in lockdown might not have footage on themselves. Barely people sitting there, they go, oh, do you know what? I've never taken any video footage of myself. I haven't got a clue. Fine, it doesn't matter. It's okay. You can go on YouTube and you can find all manner of fights from the world world stage and actually from national championships in the uk everything is out there which means you can sit there and you can analyze the fights you can do it very subjectively because it's not you so you start to understand what kind of fashions are being used in fencing so this idea of this kind of strong marching attack absence of blade imposing the distance upon someone and you often see the person that kind of gives ground at the moment kind of really kind of allows that person to dominate the distance is usually the one that gets hit but with that being said, the idea of looking at this analysis and looking at the fences gives you a really good idea of how the referees are calling things. Because right now, we have seen the fencing when Danny Garozzo won uh, the Olympic Games in 2016, this strong marching attack, absence of blade, very late finishes, drawing people into these counterattacks because they weren't able to find the blade or set up a, a, any form of power riposte. So it went from this to then actually the referees start to tighten up on the idea of the marching attack. So a lot more preparations are being given now. M many more stops in the, the footwork phrasing are being given now. And you can see that change literally by watching snippets of clips over the ages of fencing. And, and this is the other bit of armory that this gives you is that right now, if you've been finding your results not as strong as you want and you're struggling to find the flow of fencing, sit down and watch how many videos about how the sport has almost changed and developed over the last four years to get to well what was going to be the olympic games now but you get an understanding of how things are changing yeah definitely and the marching attack was given with much more prominence than it was and nobody really knew what to do about it i mean you know high domestic level it's a hard thing because what ends up happening is it trickles down people people see it working with international athletes and they kind of copy it and then you know domestic refereeing can be tricky sometimes people don't always give what you know is considered to be the right thing especially if you're exposed to the higher level so they kind of they give stuff that doesn't work but something i've found really helpful that you've you've really helped me work on is the idea of absorbing the attack you know kind of opening the distance much more so kind of let you know let somebody march a bit and then just threaten and you know because it's all it's all like bluff on bluff isn't it until it's make somebody blink and then you make an opportunity in a moment to kind of do something so if you can you know if you can do that then you can kind of take over or you can push a bit and then you you know it, it makes it much easier to go back to fencing with feeling it's almost like kind of taking away someone's system to put in feeling and then 
you you're kind of back at a neutral point yeah for, for sure and i think that idea of that we try and vary different kind of defensive actions based on this marching attack and that can be keeping the distance very close to extending that distance but one of the things that kind of was seen recently at the world championships when um my teammate marcus got, got a silver medal at the world champs with a an incredible display of, of high class technical fencing um you one of the things that we suddenly saw come back almost overnight that was displayed by Marcus was line and everyone was suddenly doing line and and actually if you watch Marcus's route all the way to the final he must hit with at least two or three lines every single fight and suddenly the line has come back everyone's using this again everyone's using it as a way to deter the marching attack and they're being given and, and this is great to see and you know I remember watching the um the, the Olympic Games um on YouTube in in, in from Athens uh, many years ago, and Dries Giart was doing these incredible broken time flashes, these incredible uh, long distance flashes, and that was something he was using every day. He really felt it that day; it became a strength of his. And so, the idea of sitting down now, while we've got all this time, and actually understanding, arming yourself with new information, if you can do analysis on yourself, awesome, that's great. Find out what you're good at, and then you can start to look at how you lose fights or how you win fights, for that matter. And then as you get better, you can start to look how you pinpoint certain athletes that you may draw in the future if you're going to get them in certain competitions. And finally, look at videos of how the, the referees are giving things, how they're making the decisions, how those decisions are changing, how you can stay ahead of the curve. And also look at things, fashions of hits that are starting to be used that can either work in favour of one touch or another. It, it's There's so much out there and we've got so much time now. Go into the new season with more knowledge on yourself and more knowledge of fencing, but the fashions of fencing, and then you can be really dangerous. Yeah, and just going to go back to line quickly. I love line. Line's a great thing. When you get it, you feel on top of the world. When it, <laughs> when you're hit with it, you feel like a real dumbass. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And it requires a lot of technical uh, work to get it right. But again, it's something people can be practicing when they when they come out of here. And there's so much video footage out there. Go and do it. Sit on the sofa tonight and watch hours of fencing. So on, also on refereeing calls, tactical analysis, um, Alex Lim, the Canadian fencer, who's also based in London at my club at South Boston, has built a, a web page or a web app that goes to YouTube, gets clips, uh, yeah. and brings them back. And they're clips that are only a few seconds long. They're clips of, of a hit and a fencing bout. And he's got the rest of the page set up to ask the person that's watching them, what hit is this? How hard did you find this call? Uh, was it hit to the left, hit to the right, parry, riposte, attack? Were there any cards involved to test people's understanding of of certain actions and and refereeing calls? And these most of these calls have been validated by FIU referees as well. So yeah. it, you're not going into something random. You're getting something back from it, and it could be quite a useful tool. I've always I found it quite interesting, very fascinating. Mm. I think I think things like that are great, and a lot more of that is coming about now. Um, and, and they're, yeah, they're great tools. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, that, that's something that I think that a lot of fans should be, because the more data it collects, the more we'll understand, the more we'll know. Um, but, you know, we've all been on the, on the receiving end of, uh, of, of, of bad calls and, and good calls for that, for that matter. Um, but, yeah, understanding the kind of fashions of fencing and, and understanding the way things are being given through those kind of apps or just watching it yourself is, is great. And this is the wonderful thing about fencing is because it's subjective. It's always a good debate. There's a lot going on. It can be quite, as I said, I can often relate to it being quite a minefield, but I I quite like dumbing it down and keeping it simple. 
I find that really works for me. So hopefully, uh, not hopefully, but maybe some people relate to that as well. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm and, saying you know, simplicity is king. I, I'm on board with you that way. I'm, simplicity I'm is king. That's a myself. great phrase. That's a great <laughs> phrase. But I think that kind of draws us quite nicely to to a bit of a, a bit of a conclusion. And I, and I think that um, tactical analysis is uh, don't don't get uh, don't get paralysis through analysis. Don't overthink it. Find a uh, find a way to make it work for you. That's the most important thing. Um, I hope you'll have found that helpful. I know a lot of people have been sending in messages to both Chris and I about what they would like to hear. Um, we're thinking for episode four that actually this could translate quite nicely into technical uh, uh technical training um and alongside that that's obviously blade and footwork so the next one will be on technical training and footwork i, I th- that's that's something we want to go for chris yeah definitely i think there's as you said a lot of talk about tactical analysis um and then translating that into what people can do at home and um, and useful drills or exercises or approaches to technical training and footwork um would be really good and so if there's anything specific that anybody wants to hear about, then maybe get in touch uh, and we'll make sure to include that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And as we mentioned before, you can get in contact with us in many different ways. If you know Chris or I personally, drop us a message or an email. Um, I think if you follow me on, on Instagram, I'm Ben Peggs. And on, uh, on, on Facebook, I have my Ben Peggs fencing page. So you're more than welcome to drop us something there. Um, we also have the, uh, the Fenced In podcast Twitter uh, account, which you can messages on um please guys leave reviews um on any of the the platforms that we're on whether that be spotify or or google podcast or uh, apple podcasts and is it transistor the other one we're on as well we're on we're on everything we're on everything so uh, we're on everything every podcast platform anywhere you can get your podcasts you'll find us that's it guys and uh, stay tuned for episode four next week thanks for listening see you then bye